Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Welcome to Citizens Youth. We don't always eat food, but sometimes we do. Not every week, but some weeks. But we always do this. We always open our Bibles together, and we always enjoy community um, in the Lord. So, Friendsgiving. I want you guys to open up to uh, John chapter 15. We've been in the Old Testament for so many weeks. In some Old Testament prophecy, it's really, it's awesome, it's beautiful, it's complex, but sometimes you are just like, whew, we really need God, like super bad. We really need Jesus to come in and fix the scene. And so, uh, yeah, amen, seriously. That is some of the, the, a lot of the point of the Old Testament is to see that we needed a, a solution to this, and we believe the solution is Christ. And today we get to learn from Jesus directly through his words. Uh, we believe that God inspired the writings of scripture, um, that God has inspired and even preserved these writings so that you and I could continue to learn from Jesus through his word and through his spirit. Pretty cool. Um, okay, we're talking about Friendsgiving. You have friends, hopefully. If not, I will be your friend. I don't have any friends. Then I'm your friend, I promise you. Um, okay. <laughs> Wow, okay, there we go. Let's preach. <laughs> Friendsgiving, you're not my friend. <laughs> I used to do this, do you guys remember? Some of the OGs in the room may remember. I used to use like, I didn't know, I didn't like when I was preaching like what to call you, I didn't want to say students because I didn't want to be like demeaning. I, I didn't, I, so I just said friends a lot, like for era of my preaching, I was like friends, here we go. Like. And I thought that was really nice, but when I would go to like small group, people would just like roast me. They'd be like, why do you call us friends so much? I'm like, because you are my friends. And they're like, oh, that's weird, right? <laughs> that was Gavin Kaiser. Okay, I'm just gonna dox him right now. Do you guys remember Gavin? He's like this tall. Yeah, so, yeah. Anyways, he would do that all the time. He's like, why do you call us friends so much? I'm like, because you're my, I like you. All right, um, nothing to do with this sermon. John 15. Uh, there's some pretty epic friendships that you know about, that we've heard about in media or myth or legends. We've got probably the best friends in the Disney universe, which is potentially Buzz and Woody from Toy Story. Didn't start off great, but then they became the best of friends. You've got a friend in me. That's Pixar and Disney are, are one and the same. Um, there's that. There is an even better friendship between Sam and Frodo in the Lord of the Rings series. Sam and Frodo. Sam definitely a better friend than Frodo is. Just saying. Sam picks up Frodo on his back to literally carry him to Mount Doom, which is great. Nerds in the room know what I'm talking about. Other nerds will know. The best friends in the Star Wars universe, Chewie and Han Solo. Best of friends, right? Going on adventures with each other. She's like, best of buds. There's some pretty epic friends. Um, what makes someone a great friend? What makes somebody a good friend? What makes us a good friend? Uh, what does God say about friendship? And if you could describe your best friend, what would you say of them or what they do? What would you say of them or 
what they do and how they impact your lives. I don't know if, about you, but when I talk about friends in my life or best friends in my life, I tend to think things or say things like they're always there. They're just around when I need them or even when I didn't know I needed them, they just seem to be there. Or they're really good listeners. Friends just seem to listen. Um, I know for me in my life, sometimes friends, uh, they just, they let you just be you. Um, you don't have to perform around them. You don't have to like hide yourself from them. You don't have to like pretend to be something that you're not. They just let you be you. And the best of friends, the best friends that you'll have in your life care more about giving to you than taking. They care more about serving than receiving. They care more about sacrifice than they care about gain. And Jesus would show us and model for us and speak to us about friendship, what it means, and why it is righteous for us to be friends the way God has described us. So what has he told us to do? John chapter 15, we're going to read verses 12 through 17, and then we will be done, and we will eat food together. This is what Jesus says to his disciples right before he's to be crucified, right before, this is the upper room discourse, which John records, and it's this very intimate moment between Jesus and his disciples before he sacrificed. And he talks about a lot. He talks about abiding in him. He talks about bearing fruit. He talks about um, waiting to receive the power of the helper. And right in the middle of this, he talks about friendship and what does it mean to be a friend. John 15, verse 12, it says this, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that wherever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. God, I pray that we would listen to these words, we would know these words, that we would believe these words, and that we would obey these words. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Verses 12 and 13, this is my commandment. Typically, when Jesus starts off a new idea with this, you should probably listen. You should probably like pay extra attention. This is my commandment to you that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Uh, Jesus models true friendship through real sacrifice. Jesus models true friendship through real sacrifice. Um, we like to throw the word love around a lot. Oh, I love that. I love your shoes. I love you. You're great. I love Toy Story, right? Like we just like kind of equate all of these things that we marginally like or really love all together in that word, love. But Jesus says this about love. No greater love, greater love has none than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. Um, 
true friendship and true love can only be achieved through real sacrifice. Because love inherently is sacrifice. Love is inherently giving to others rather than wanting to be served by others. Um, real love requires real sacrifice. And anything that we call love and we masquerade as love or we promote as love, but secretly, deep down, we are engaging in this because we really want something for ourselves, uh, isn't love. Do you know that? If you are in a relationship or if you're in a friendship or if you are um, striving to be in a relationship solely with the a perspective of personal gain, it's not really love. Because love is sacrifice. Because love is giving. Love is laying down everything that you have for someone else. And we've lost this in our culture because we think love is all about how we feel and all about how we feel, especially when we receive what we want. Words of affirmation, comfort, joy, affection, attention. If I've got all these things, and I, I think I'm in love. Yeah, right? I think I really love this person. I think I really like this person. But what is the reality of what love, what, what is love? What does Jesus say love is? It's sacrifice. And our world has twisted that word love so much so that we couldn't even recognize it in our own lives. We often get friendships backward. We get friendships backward. We think a friendship is about getting stuff, joy, some laughs, some comfort, some security, some whatever, fill in the blank. But real love and real friendship is based on giving, not receiving. Real love and real friendship is based on sacrifice, not selfishness. Real love and real friendship is based on serving, not being served. And Jesus models true friendship for us through his very real sacrifice. The more you expect friendships to be about you, the less joy you'll receive from others. The more you expect other people to serve you, the less happy you're going to be the less joy you're going to have. Because we weren't designed to receive ultimate affection, ultimate love, ultimate care from other people. It was never meant to be. In fact, other people are supposed to be people we serve, people we give to, people we sacrifice our very lives for. And Christian friendship is unique in this way, because Christian friendship should be centered around mutual and consistent sacrifice for the betterment of the other person. That is not something you will see in the world. But Christian love and Christian friendship is this. I want your life to be better because I have influence in your life. I want your day to be filled with more joy because I talked with you. I want you to feel closer to Christ because I had an opportunity to witness to you. No greater love than this, someone who lays down his life. And Jesus would do this ultimately through his sacrifice on, his, on the cross. Now, you and I may never physically lay down our lives for someone else. Certainly, I guess, could happen. That'd be quite tragic. But it certainly could happen, but it most likely will not. But while we are alive and while we do get to live every single day, we have a choice in our heart and in our minds to serve other people and to sacrifice our time 
sacrifice our energy, sacrifice, you know, maybe some things we have that we can give them. And when we do that, we are loving like Christ does. So I kind of think of it like this. We, I've got this, this analogy. Uh, you and I are empty cups, all right? Follow along with me. We're the empty cups in this analogy. You may not be able to see it. I'll describe it for you if you're sitting in the back, which apparently everyone is. That's cool. Um, so we're, <laughs> I was in the same place in youth group, so there's that. That's true. My youth pastor wanted me to be in the back, though. That was the big difference. He was like, please don't comment. No, I'm just kidding, kind of. Um, <clears throat> I just had another week. I don't know. But here, here we are, empty cups with nothing inside of them. And um, we often look to friends, to family, or to everyone and everything else to fill us up. And we often view life like this. Here's me. I need, I need something. I need joy. I need comfort. I need love, whatever. I'm just going to try and take as much as I can from my family to fill me up, right? And OK, I need friends. Like I need to be popular. I need to have people in my life. I need to be seen as a person with lots of friends. I've got emotional needs. Um, so I'm going to try and take as much as I can from my friends. And then I literally just categorized everything else into another cup called everyone. I guess you could also put everything on there if you'd like. And we are just trying to receive more. But the reality is we will never be completely fulfilled from uh, these things because we were never supposed to be. Um, it's not how we were designed to be. Um, we, as in what Jesus is saying here and through what he did with his life, are supposed to be doing the exact opposite. We're supposed to be giving everything we have to everyone. We're supposed to be giving everything we have to our friends. We're supposed to be giving everyone and everything we have to our family. And you're like, but that's an issue because I'm empty. I'm so glad that we have this, which is God himself. And God has everything that you and I need. Uh, God doesn't, God's not short on like love or affection. God isn't like low on like mental energy. God isn't like burnt out from surfing so much, right? Um, all the lame things we say as people. <laughs> I'm just like really like, I have no margin right now. God doesn't say that because um, God doesn't have margin. Um, because God is God and we're not God. Praise the Lord for that. Um, so what we're supposed to be doing constantly, and you should have boundaries in your life. I'm not saying that. But like, um, we're supposed to be constantly filled by God all the time. And you know what Psalms say? Right? Oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to say what Psalm says, and I'm going to have our cup overflow so much so that I can give everything that I receive from God to everyone, to my friends, to my family. And I trust and believe that God is the one who fills my cup constantly. And this is way better. This is like a way better way to look at life and to believe. Um, because if we all have this mentality, we're constantly giving to one another. We're constantly giving to one another. We're constantly laying down our lives. We are laying down our passions. We are laying down our desires for the betterment of other people. And Jesus modeled this perfectly. Uh, God was literally poured out. Um, Actually, his blood was spilled. A lot more blood than this, to be really graphic. Or like, a lot more. Uh, Jesus' blood was physically spilled for you and me through his sacrifice on the cross. He gave everything for you and me. And we get to follow suit. I give everything to other people and back to God and honor God in this way. So Jesus models true friendship through sacrifice. Will we do the same? Will we do the same? Look at 14 through 16. 
It says this, you are my friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I made known to you. Jesus is sharing everything that he knows from his father with his followers, his disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Jesus invites us into true friendship. Jesus invites us into true friendship. He models his life with sacrifice, but he welcomes you into a relationship and a friendship with you daily. Um, do you know God wants to be your friend? Do you know that? Do you think that? How do you view God? What do you think of when you hear the word God? What is the first thing that comes to your mind? This passage shows us that Jesus reveals that God is compassionate, he's kind, and he wants a relationship with you. And yes, he is literally talking to his disciples here, but I think this applies to all people who would be following him and listening to his voice. How do you and I view God? There's a couple categories we can put him in. One, there's the like angry boss mentality. Or there's the overbearing parent mentality. God's just like looking down. He's so disappointed. He's just looking for every opportunity to tell me that I'm going to screw up, so I'm not going to tell him a thing or reveal anything about myself to him. Either you follow this or else. Sometimes we put God in like the passive stage or like the um, kind of like the deadbeat dad like mentality, which is like, I don't know, God's somewhere. He's not here, somewhere, probably dealing with and thinking about other things than me. Sometimes we, got, we think God's just like cruel, like he's just mean. And I don't think he'd approve of my sin. I don't think he would want to talk to me if he knew everything about me. And if I brought those things up to him, um, I'd do some bad things. I don't think God wants to listen to me. But what does it mean here that Jesus is calling these men friends? God in flesh saying, you're my friends. You're my friends. And Jesus even changes the perspective here. No longer I call you servants. I mean, Paul says so much in his letters, servant of, the, or servant of God, a minister of the gospel. And Jesus saying, I don't call you servants anymore. For servant does not know what his master is doing. Jesus is radical in his self-revelation to all of us. Jesus is quite open about his love and his affection and his plan for humanity. Uh, Jesus isn't like a riddle to solve or a puzzle to figure out or a map to trace. He's a person who wants to have a relationship with you. He revealed himself in flesh and called you a friend if you would embrace him in faith. That's what Jesus says. You're my friends if you do what I command you. There are stipulations to following Jesus. It's true. You have to do what he says. You have to turn. You have to repent. You have to say, hey, the world isn't worth it. Jesus is. 
Uh, it's biblical. Jesus would say that all throughout the scriptures. There is stipulations that come in this relationship, but nevertheless, he's a friend. He's a friend to you. He's a friend to me. Jesus, God in flesh, the revelation of God's plan for friendship with humanity. And there is no greater example of this friendship through the love that was displayed through sacrifice. That's what Jesus is saying here. There's no greater love than the love I'm about to show you in just a few hours. There's no greater love than the love that I have displayed for you over these years and that I'm going to display for you in mere moments. Sacrifice. Jesus calls us friend. And yes, he's talking to his disciples here. But in just a few verses, in the very next chapter, Jesus would talk about the helper. Jesus would talk about the helper that we see revealed in Acts chapter 1 as the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is alive and well in all of us today who follow after Jesus Christ. So I believe we have an even more into, and Jesus says, this is important, this is super important, the whole reason why I put it in my notes. Jesus says it would be better for the helper to come and that I would go away. I think you and I have an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. His law is written on our hearts. He makes known to us the path of life. God is a friend. Jesus is a friend. Jesus is your friend. If you'd listen, if you'd follow him, he's gracious, he's kind, he's always there. He listens way more than you realize. He's there when you need him, there when you didn't know you need him, which is all the time. Jesus is a friend. But how can we be friends with God? How can we have an intimate, close, personal relationship with God through the sacrifice that he would make in just hours? It is only made possible through believing in his sacrifice and resurrection and that he is the only way to eternal life. Through that, we have friendship with God. Through that, we are invited to be friends with him. So Jesus invites us into friendship. Will we accept the invitation? Last verse, one verse, we're closing with this. These things I command you so that you will love one another. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And Jesus says it even in verse 12. God's commandment is that we would love. Uh, Jesus commands us to love. So the last point, the last thing we're talking about. Jesus commands us to love. Um, to love or to not love your brother or sister is not a conflict of feelings. It is a conflict of obedience. To choose to love your brother or sister is not a conflict of whether I want to or feel like it today. It is a conflict of right and wrong of obeying and disobeying, of sin and righteousness. Why? Well, because Jesus says it's a command. Uh, these things I command you so that you will love one another. Jesus is saying, love one another as I have loved you. This should be the thing that Christians are defined by. And ironically, it's one of the things that we are not defined by. We are defined by how judgmental we are or how much if you don't fit in our club, you're not allowed here. And that's just like not the plan. <laughs> that's not what we were supposed to do. Jesus says that the world will know you for the love that you have for each other. Jesus says that like the world's going to realize 
Something's different with this group of people because they just like can't get enough of each other. They're always forgiving. They're always moving on. They're the best of friends. Jesus says, the whole world's going to know I'm real because you act like that. And here he says, these things I command you so that you will love one another. It's not an issue of feeling. It's an issue of obedience. Because in our world, there are, there are feeling, every, feelings is everything. Everything is just how you feel. I mean, truth itself is being rewritten by, by feelings. <laughs> everything that we think, everything that we can observe, everything that's repeatable, like, eh, it doesn't matter. I just feel like this. And love isn't a feeling. Yes, we can be overwhelmed with love for people. It can be a feeling, but, but love is a choice. Love is a choice to say, you before me. You before me. No greater love than this. Someone lays down his life for his friends. That's what love is. And Jesus says, hey, follow, do this. That's why I love John so much. It's very like specific and poetic and like beautiful. And Jesus is also like, do these things. And you're like, yes, I will do these things, Jesus. Jesus commands us to love. Will we obey? Jesus tells us to love. Will we obey? Will we obey? Will we choose not to love or to not be loving, to not sacrifice for the sake of others? It's not because we're not feeling it. It's not just a matter of feelings. It is a matter of sin and righteousness. And we sometimes don't love others the way we should because we don't really remember God's love for us. I think that's the reality as well. When we forget the sacrifice that Christ made, we forget of his great love for sinners, we tend to not really feel love towards other sinners either. When we forget the great lengths that God went through to redeem us and to rescue us, I certainly don't want to do anything for my neighbor why, do I, why does it matter? Right? When we forget that God crossed eternity from heaven to earth to be manifest physically in a body and to make a sacrifice, when we forget that reality, when we choose to forget it, well, why, would I, why would I love my classmates? They're wrong anyway, right? We're missing it if we don't love. No greater love than this to sacrifice. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's a command. It's an active attitude of you for me. Service above selfishness. Giving without expecting anything in return. That is what love is. And nobody modeled it better than Jesus. And in his sacrifice, we remember. And as we are overwhelmed with the love of Christ, we love others. It's the only way to live. It's the only way we should live. It's the only way we can live. That's what friendship is. That's what it looks like. Will we listen? Will we model? Will we obey? Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for the sacrifice that you made. We're thankful for these words that just call us out in grace and love and truth. It just kind of sink deep into our souls as we realize there's many moments where we've been unloving. And God, I even confess that that's my heart many days, um, that I'm not loving, that I don't operate and uh, live and lead out of love all the time, God. So forgive me for that. I pray that we would be marked as a people who love and who
sacrifice. What we have, what we can give is freely given to everyone else, Lord. I'm thankful that we can have relationship with you, we can have friendship with you, that you can look at us and call us friend, not because we were awesome, not because we really, really tried hard, but because you chose us and you picked us and you made a sacrifice on our behalf, Lord. Pray that we would remember that. I pray for everyone in this room. Um, I mean, there's so many people, so many young people, so many people who are full of hope and full of joy that maybe they're just kind of keeping them themselves right now. God, I pray that they would be convicted of that. You'd convict all of us of that, that there's so much more we can give. There's people who need to hear. There's people who need to know. And there's people who need to see this love actively. We don't know who's believing that God you don't love them and you don't care about them, would we step in to say that's not true and here's why I love you because God loves me. I pray that that would be a reality for us. I pray that by your spirit, you would empower us to engage on this mission. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.